0: Hi, I'm Francis Katzen, and welcome to my podcast, The World of Real Estate. In this series, we will explore the world's largest asset class and how it plays out on a global scale. I am honored to welcome to the show a gentleman who needs no introduction, the CEO of Douglas Elliman, Scott Durkin. He is visionary, he is wise, he has an unwavering intuition and a brilliant guide, And from early days as an agent to the seasoned industry mastermind before me today, Scott, it is a privilege to have you on the show. There are so many notable stories and experiences that have paved the way for your career. Let's dive in and welcome.
1: Thank you for having me, Fran. I'm quite honored to be on your podcast.
0: (laughs) You're very kind. Um, Scott, (laughs) how would you describe yourself?
1: I would say I'm a, pretty much an extrovert. I'm very much like my mother, my late mother. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm I not the life of the party, but I'm there and I'm in the room, but I tend to uh, disappear without, um, how can you say, I, I leave before you've seen too much of me.
0: I like that. That's a sensitive yeah. response.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I got that from my mother. she she was great about that. She knew when to leave a room and and wanting and keeping you wanting more, more. <laughs> it's yeah. said
0: like a true showman. I like it.
1: <laughs> I actually put that in her obituary. Did you? Yeah, my dear friend Charles Bush, the playwright, um, told me that that's what how he thought of my mother. and uh, so she never overstayed her welcome.
0: Wow. Wow. Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in upstate New York in a little town called Salem, New York, in Washington County. It bordered the Vermont border, uh, the state of Vermont, and I the closest uh, town for us was Rupert, Dorset and Bennington. So um, really rural. and there were about 900 people in my town. Wow,
0: that's small.
1: <laughs> <Really> Very small. <laughs> small.
0: <laughs> Everybody knew where to borrow a cup of sugar from everyone. Wow.
1: Oh, absolutely! And we had party line phones. <laughs> I don't know if you know what that is here in the U.S., but and you shared lines, so you could hear each other talking.
0: Stop.
1: So if you picked up the phone, you'd be like, "Oh, Mary Smith's on the phone. Got to hang up." Um, <laughs> now I'm showing my age. No, you're not. No judgment <laughs>
0: here. So your parents are from there as well.
1: Yes, everyone, the whole family, all all of my 17 first cousins and. Gosh. my mom was a, a, one of five girls so yeah it's a beautiful part of the state it's absolutely magical right near saratoga
0: it's beautiful up there yeah may i ask what their professions were
1: oh sure my father was the sheriff of washington county hmm. yeah and my mother was a deputy she was what? the first yes yeah, she was the first female deputy uh in washington county um and uh yeah they is were is that how they, they met uh, no, they met in uh, in high school. <laughs> yeah, and he he wouldn't he would he she chased him and then she uh, so much that on Halloween he became a cop. He was one year ahead of her or two years, and he was directing traffic for a Halloween parade. And he was not, uh, you know, she just didn't feel like they had it. Any, any future together, but she tried one more time. So she got into a baby carriage just dressed as a baby <laughs> and had her, had her friends wheel her by him as he's directing Halloween traffic. I think that won him over.
0: Wow, wow. <laughs> what do you say? She was, what she do you was say? a prankster. <laughs> what do you say as you go past in a pram? What do you say?
1: Right, Marry me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so would you say they had a good marriage?
1: they had the best marriage they were together um 50 years and they had only spent one one night apart what yeah (laughs) yeah can you imagine i'd go crazy
0: (laughs) i'm i'm that is goals right there
1: right so would you
0: say that your childhood was pretty how would you say your childhood was
1: oh it was uh, you know i I continue to go back home every summer i rent um, a big house there and and I I see all my friends from my childhood and it's quite magical and special and I bring people from New York and they're just shocked that we're all so close. But it was just like a little it was like the Waltons, you know. I worked I on love a dairy. the
0: Waltons that show. Yeah. Does it really I exist? Worked,
1: wow. Yeah, it does exist. I worked on a dairy farm across the street to help pay for my horse uh and his board. Wow. So I learned how to milk a cow and and birth a calf and uh you know, and hay, and and um, it was amazing.
0: So under the Just, city slicker, you're really a farmer by heart.
1: I'm a farmer, give me the terra firma any day.
0: I'm like you. Yeah. So you used to take ballet, which is very close to my heart. Tell me a little bit about how that came to be.
1: Well, I mean, I went to, you know, you know I'm from a town of 900, uh, where our guidance counselors in high school would tell us um, You know you don't need to go to college just continue to work on the farm so i was one of my one of the first people in my class to go to college really yeah but i was really in for a big surprise and and i always wanted to be in theater and um i really screwed up my audition and uh what happened i didn't learn the monologue
0: Not not by route, so you were reading it or just?
1: I was just, well, I walked in. I remembered about six lines of this uh, play <laughs> called Our Wilderness. Um, <clears throat> and I, I just, I just screwed it up. And, you know. Let me guess, just...
0: you've never forgotten it since. I bet you, you have because... not <laughs>
1: <laughs> Someone walked in in the middle of my audition and slammed the door. And my head turned like, who are you? And then, of course, I, I lost my train of thought. So I left the audition. They said, they sort of pushed me out. I was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) And, uh, I got pushed out into the hallway and then I just walked across the, the campus to the, the, the ballet and modern center. And, um, I got a scholarship because back then men, there were very few men dancers and you could really get, get a good scholarship. So I started dancing. I had never had any classes. I was 18 and, um, So modern was my real passion, but of course, as you know, ballet is the base of everything. Mm -hmm.
0: So let me get this straight: you muck up an audition, you walk across campus, you sign up, and now you're on a scholarship for in modern dance, but with the base of ballet.
1: Right. And this is your
0: first, and and you're the first from your community, really,
1: to go to college. And my family. I mean, there was probably, oh, maybe five of us out of a class of forty-eight. (laughs) <laughs> wow. that went. To college. yeah, it's pretty. Were you ready? Pretty,
0: Were you like, I've gotta get out? Was that why?
1: Well, I'm I think the fact what was really pushing me away was the fact that I was gay. okay and that was a hard um, I had a lot of support as a kid. I was I was if you look in my yearbook, I was the class clown. okay. so um, I entertained people.
0: And that's how you sort of protected yourself too from knowing that you were a little bit not of what they expected in that way Mm -hmm. that's very brave
1: yeah i mean i you know i had a stage mother so um (laughs) that that really helped me get out there and, and and feel good in my own skin and also i think that you're right that helped sort of give me a protection there plus my older brother was the uh the superstar basketball and football player oh, at the school. Oh wow! He protected me.
0: Oh wow! Perks. That's big. And plus,
1: and then don't forget, I went to school in a police car. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you had it wrapped nicely. Yeah,
1: I arrived in a police car, so no one bothered. You know, no one bothered me.
0: Wow. And was your dad okay <laughs> with all of it, if I may
1: ask? Well, um, yeah, sure. I mean, sadly, I never had a conversation about it. Um, he died when I was 46. So I never really came out to him, but you know, I'm from a different generation than today.
0: Yep. Look, even today, I think that people struggle. Um, they
1: do. They really do.
0: May I ask what your first job was? So now you've done college, you're doing modern dance. What happens next? What's your first job?
1: Well, I realized that when I, my i did a summer at jacob's pillow
0: ah jacob's pillow close to
1: my heart yes right and then i realized that i was not made for this there was no way (laughs) i was going back to new york and become a professional dancer so i um i i entered into a career of hospitality with four seasons hotels
0: did you love it
1: i loved it (laughs) i love it i still miss it today
0: do you really?
1: And a, lot of, a lot of people in real estate have had hospitality careers, and that's a wide range. It could be a flight attendant. Yeah. It could be, you know, at a country club. It could be anything. A waiter. Yeah. Uh, that's all hospitality. So I absolutely loved it, and I worked at the, at the time, which was the shining star of New York, was the Pierre Hotel, Ugh. which was, a yeah. – they flew the flag of Four Seasons at the time.
0: Wow. So you must have seen some real movie stars act the whole shebang.
1: Oh. Hundreds, like you know, from Betty Davis and Audrey Hepburn and Jimmy Stewart to, wow. you know, Cher and and all the, you know Bon Jovi and Michael Caine and I mean, it just the list went on. Everyone loved to stay there.
0: Okay, so let me get this straight: you are basically in hospitality, and how do we segue into working with Pam Lieberman during her quick ascension in New York City real estate?
1: So at the time, up. yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> I wanted to move up. so I left the Pierre and i I worked for a year for Ian Schrager at the Paramount and Ian had bought the Paramount and was and redoing it with Philippe Stark, and they I was on the opening team of of the I think it was nineteen ninety one and we reopened the Paramount and um I was one of the managers there. And then I uh at the time I was in a relationship and my boyfriend was buying an apartment and I just tagged along. And uh coming from hospitality, I was pretty shocked at how we were treated. And uh, these agents are still well, one is still working today. Stop like, it. Really? Well, it was just sort of like, Oh, we can't show you that building, you know, <laughs> no gay people are allowed. <sighs> this is the this is the nineties. So yeah, but more more importantly, not just that. That was only one time up on Riverside Drive, but more importantly, wow. it was the way the agent treated us. Not that had not it just they they were just terrible at follow up. They were one of this well, the apartment he ended up getting. The agent said you're being super cheap. We need ten, you know, just just mm-hmm. treating him like he was bothering her, mm-hmm. and I thought I need another career change and and the possibilities are endless in real estate mm-hmm. the, the income you can you can earn mm-hmm. one commission was more than i was making at the pierre so me
0: too when i was a dancer. right totally right
1: yeah, you know Bizarre. and i just jumped into it and i thought <laughs> wow what can you imagine if you were nice and, <laughs> and not a mean nasty person yeah how you would do so i um i was uh crushed a it com- yeah i just i was i started a little company called AJ Clark
0: oh my gosh
1: they were a managing agent at the time <clears throat> they're still there um but and then uh Jeff Levittis from the Corcoran group recruited me when I sold one of his classic six apartments on West 93rd I think it was
0: oh my gosh yeah and,
1: and the, then yeah the moment in the swimming pool on Fire Island at a company picnic at Corcoran <laughs> I meet I meet well I'd already met Barbara Corcoran but she walked in on my interview with the manager of the West side, right, right into the interview and sat on my lap and pinched my cheek. And she said, you're too, I was 29 at the time. She said, you're too young for this business. And she just sat on top of me. I mean, like, (laughs) I didn't even know her. And, um, and then I, 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 I was hired, but the interesting piece of that was she was on, she was coming over to the office to tell the manager that the company was out of money and that they had to close the office. This was, you know, 1991, 92 after the 87. 87- mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: She said we we just, you know, the market's terrible, there are no sales, I can't afford the rent, but she, I never saw that on her face. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But then she then she 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 and Alfred Renna did the one-day sale for um Lincoln Towers and the South Gate. Yep. and the East Gate. And, it, sa- and it, it saved the company. Wow. Amazing.
0: That's amazing. What a story, yeah. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, and then a jump a year later, we're at a Fire Island picnic at Brett Bacchus's house. May she rest in peace. And I'm in the swimming pool and, and here comes Barbara. <laughs> and then she said, <clears throat> you know, I want you to work with me. Really? Yeah, and she just said, just drop everything. She gave me an apartment, a clothing allowance. Um, we shared her office. I never, you know, we had a big office together, and you know, she was my mentor for most of my early career at Corcoran.
0: It's funny. I I the, I joined Corcoran, and the day that she sold the company was the day I left.
1: Wow. She
0: had that showdown mm-hmm. or hoedown in Chelsea Piers. Yes, she rode backwards. That's right. right. And that was the last day I left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. She was an amazing, amazing force. She was amazing. So so you were with Barbara first. Sorry, I had it wrong.
1: Um, Yes. And then we prepared the company for sale. And then Barbara um, uh, appointed Pam as president and CEO and myself as COO. And then we sold it to Sendant. That's right. Uh, two days before 9-11. <laughs> Talk Just about time. in time.
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so, okay. So describe this time in your life. You've now ascended up. You're in real estate. 9-11 hits. You're in the city. Tell me more. What made you move into real... Well, we know what made you move into real estate, but... Tell me what happens now.
1: Well, I think when you go from a family-run sole owner, she really owned Mm -hmm. 99% of the company. She gave a couple of percentages of another downtown region to Pam and and a couple percentage points to Esther Kaplan. But for the most part, it was hers. And um, so that was kind of rough on all of us because... You know, change like that. I mean, she really was um, riding off into the sunset. and uh, it was hard for her. Um, she she went into a six week uh, disappearing act after the closing happened. And um we were all sort of like left. It's like as if a parent had died, and the new wife was in town or you know, yeah, so it was it was markedly different. And um,
0: How long would you say it took for everybody to sort of find their sea legs again?
1: Well, it took me longer than I expected mm-hmm. because I was so proud of the brand and I was so proud of what I had done it with Barbie. It was Barbara. such a
0: great brand. It yeah. was the brand
1: at the time. Right, I I couldn't say goodbye to it. And it, it was it was
0: formidable. It was everywhere. Right. It was the primary colors. It was this happier, hopeful, joy-filled, fun brand
1: right and all of a sudden it became um you know a, a bank for for uh, yep. for the new owners and and we were public and everything was scrutinized and it lost and you know to her credit she replaced herself and esther with with someone who who had was the complete opposite of them in terms of personality yeah so it, you know that's a hard hard one and I'm not, nothing against Pam. I mean, she she's a force within herself, but it was it was a big change for all of us.
0: So how long did you feel that you could do that?
1: I mean, well, there. we sold in two thousand no, one. One, yeah. So and I came to Douglas Element in 2015. So I I was there for 14 years <laughs> without Barbara. Wow. And um, <clears throat> But I got, you know, I was, I was not in, in headquarters anymore. So I was sort of helping, uh, I had one of the top five offices in, in the country for NRT and Realogy down in Chelsea. So I, I had my own sort of show, which was great, but I needed something more. And, um, you really felt that the mothership, there was no mothership anymore. You know, it was time to, wow, I need another act too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What would you say were the biggest lessons that you've learned over the years and how you went about implementing those changes personally and professionally based on that experience?
1: Well, I always think that you should go with your gut. <clears throat> I think that, you know, it, 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 it's true. I mean, you just... When did you
0: trust that? Because I think it takes, for me, it took me time to remember to do that, you know?
1: Well, I learned to wait for the right time, and I... I. Uh... I you know, it's interesting. You you often think, oh, I there's nothing out there. There's nothing that's comparable to this. And so I probably waited too long, but the opportunity wasn't there yet. So it. it did ultimately come to me. And I think the, the pivotal moments for me were, were, you know, when Barbara Barbara said to me <clears throat> when we got together, she said, Well, meet me at the Peninsula Hotel on Monday at five o'clock. We'll talk about your new career with the company. And when I walked into the bar, she had fallen asleep on one of the sofas. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, this is, this should be fun. And you know, she wakes up and then all of a sudden, you know, she, her, her eyes fill with water and she's like, the growth of the company is, is just too much for me. I need, I need, uh, I need someone to do it with me. And she said, I I'm around you and I'm not threatened by you, but when I inhale you exhale. Hmm. and. I, I am not letting this go. So you have to work with me. Wow. Yeah. So I think to
0: say it too. I know. Right.
1: And I hate to be trite about being gay, but gay men tend to uh, surround themselves with powerful women. It's just, it's just what it is. Why do you
0: think that is?
1: You know, it's a good question. I, I don't know what it is, but I think, I think they feel more comfortable because, You know, depends on the time, but most men are hard to read.
0: I also think... (laughs) Men aren't emotional. That's true. I think that, unfortunately, they've been taught not to lead with their hearts. But I also think that uh, women who are forces tend to be a little bit more masculine in their way of communicating. And it probably doesn't threaten people who also have a little bit more sensitivity to... Non-male energy, so I think it all kind of balances beautifully that way. I don't know, maybe. I'm I fine. think
1: you're right, and I think also they, the women, feel more comfortable around you because you're not a threat to them, and correct. you're not, you're not uh, objectifying them. You correct. Know? You're not. <laughs> well said. You're so politically correct. <laughs>
0: it's yeah. so true. They don't know. They don't. You'll
1: tell, them, you'll tell them when they don't look good, and I, did, <laughs> I did that a couple of times with Barbara and we had a, we had many, um, phrases that were like, uh, secret phrases, a language between us. If I, oh, I if love it. Had,
0: like what? If she had
1: food in her teeth, I would say, well, what did you have for lunch? <laughs> and then she would just say, excuse me. And she'd go to the bathroom and pick her teeth out or, you know, you know, although those, those shoes, and then she, <laughs> would, and she kept like four pairs of shoes in her filing cabinet. Um, <laughs> You know, it was fun, it was really, I have to tell you, in the, the years I worked for her, there we never had a disagreement. She really? ne- we never, ever, I tell you, never.
0: So it was simpatico. It was like it the yin and the was. yang, and it was very it was. loving, wow.
1: And to this day, it, it still is. I mean, she texts me a couple times a week. Um, we're very close, uh, On and you know, uh, That'll be with me forever. I, I hit the jackpot with her.
0: I think she feels the same.
1: Yeah, I hope so.
0: I guarantee it. Um,
1: you know, I think I always, and part of my daily mantra is is the, the Maya Angelou quote that, uh, in, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's sort of like, you know, it's not what you said, it's not what you did, it's how you made me feel. And I think that comes, you know, you can't train people to be empathetic, right? It's not it's I think it's a personality trait. It's something that's innate. And I think when you have that, that's, you know, it's part of your your sort of um uh, your makeup and and your it, DNA, it, it, yeah. Sure. Your DNA and it stays with you. So I think um you know
0: Do you have that? I think you do.
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean you have an to, ability. often yeah, to a fault, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I think you do it in a way that we are not accustomed to. It's very gentle. It's not overt. You know? And that's unusual. Well, I unusual. was
1: viewing a, a mid-level marketing manager for Stephanie the other day. Mm-hmm. I was in LA and she said, you know, could you just spend 10 minutes with this applicant? And I said, sure. And I was used to that because we did that at Corcoran. We wanted to make sure that they would fit in, mm-hmm. did that at Four Seasons, you would meet four four different employees and managers before they would hire you. And this employee this uh, applicant said well what do you what do you like as a leader?" <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and I said, "Well, let me give you a few things I, I I don't micromanage a postmortem on an event or something that we've done that needs work or help. I'm going to tell you what we did right first. then we'll work on what we need to work on that didn't work. um but I'm not going to come in and just you know." throw a bomb and just walk out. You know, I'm, I'm not like that. <clears throat> I put an incredible amount of trust in my team and they feel comfortable. I mean, you you know them all. They don't feel threatened or they don't feel like, oh God, is he mad at me? Did he hate what we did? It's so collaborative and we really all uh, do it, do everything together and it's nice. It's, it's important. Work life is I mean, Isidore Sharp always said a happy employee is a happy guest. So, <laughs> that's why all those four seasons people loved their Amazing. job. It transfers into the guest the guest experience.
0: Amazing. So spot on. So astute. Question. Did that get cultivated through your years at Four Seasons or was that something that you innately had from being someone who had permission to just be, or is this something that you learned through Barbara? How did that all get cultivated to be that you don't walk into a room and say the negative first, that you don't throw a bomb in, that you do highlight? Where did that come from?
1: Um, I think I had working parents, um, so I didn't have the luxury of having them around as much. Uh, We were, you know, simple life. Yeah. Had a lot of imagination, you know. Here I am running through fields of corn and hay and mm-hmm. playing with horse and milking cows. I had a very high, big imagination, but I think um, I, I, I just chalk it up to the fact that it, it was it was something I had. I, I could tell, as even as a child, I was often get yelled at for <laughs> yelling the punchline to a joke <laughs> my mother was telling. Um, and I always hung around with the adults and you know, I was, as a child, I was hanging around, you know, 50 year old women in my theater group and I was 14. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were, we were in summer stock theater. I did a lot of that, which was great. So, you know, I think it's something you, it's very hard to teach people to be that way. So, mm-hmm. but you can tell, you can tell when people are that way. Yeah.
0: A lot to learn there. <clears throat> for me um what's the most important decision you've made in your career progression
1: oh I was definitely coming to Douglas Elliman I remember the the uh the day that I got a call from Dottie and um I was like because I always think I always feel I mean I, I remember when the secret came out and you had a vision yes. board yes and uh, the law of attraction yes and So that, you know, that was summed up. Do you
0: have your board? I do. I love that. And I love that you say that you do. That's amazing. Absolutely.
1: Um, I think that call for me, and then of course the scariest part was when I met Howard Lorber. I thought, (laughs) oh my God, we are so polar opposites. (laughs) Opposites. And I thought this should be interesting and I'm in there alone. Uh, but it was it was brilliant. It was just brilliant.
0: And you found you found your your middle ground with him very well. You handle him very well.
1: Well, thank you. And and you know he, we are different. And I think he had, he um, accepts that. And um, I think it's nice when you have the yin and the yang. I think like he values
0: said. it. I think that that's yeah. what makes it so much more informative for him. Is that your feedback is not aligned in this. I get you. I got it. Yeah. Um, how do you find, yeah, sorry. Yeah.
1: That was my biggest, biggest career move. And, um, I said to someone yesterday and I'm actually stealing Deanna Corey's line from when she joined the Corcoran group, but same line. Um, well someone said, well, when you left Corcoran and came to Douglas Elliman, can you give us a, a, what was it like? And I said, it was like from going from black and white, Technicolor, you know, it just really, uh, there's something at Douglas Elliman that has a magic that I've never seen before. Maybe I saw it in the hotel world, but, uh, people show up, you know, and they're there for everyone. They're highly competitive. It's like one big, uh, big family that, um, needs and a lot of therapy could be dysfunctional, <laughs> but it, it's, that's why I said to Stephen Larkin the other day, well, that's what we're here for that's our job right and he said absolutely um and, and when you're in the service industry and you have an innate um sensibility about it one of the key things we were taught at four seasons was um to anticipate a guest need not to react to it so that to me has always stuck to me like okay you know get to them before they get to you I love that you know and get just um exceed their expectations or you know, Know that, know something about the person you're about to see that's special that they'll be like, oh my God, he knew we had the same interest, or he knew exactly where I, you know, I will sort of disguise it sometimes. I mean, I I won't be so direct, like, hey, I read your bio. Um, (laughs) You know, that's too easy. So it's a whole art, and I love it. And I think that's what keeps me, I've never gone to work and said, oh, I don't want to be here today. Never.
0: That's a gift. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Why do it Spe- then?
1: It's too much. Right.
0: The real estate market, Scott, has weathered a monumental up and down recession, pandemic, run up, run down while you've been at the helm in a various senior leadership role for the past 15 years. As we cautiously leave the pandemic period, what do you think has changed for good in real estate?
1: Well, I often say that um and I and I quote Barbara because she would we've, this is probably my sixth market hiccup that I've been through in my career. And um, we do well in a, in a strong market and we do well in a, in a, a weaker market, but we don't do well in the silences, meaning we don't yes. do well when we're paralyzed. Uh, and, and, you know, there are certain right. people who do well in this market. I, I think. If you're going to just let it happen, you're not doing your job. And not that it's your job, but you you're 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 leaving something on the table. Um, you know, you you know, Fran, this is a great market for you. You know exactly what you need to do. You just turn the hat around, work on the seller and tell the buyer, come on, just bring me anything. Yep. You know, just give me something. Mm-hmm. Let's start the dialogue. Don't don't be obsessed with the price and wait for it to go down. You never know, and I always say this to agents, you never know what the owner is going through.
0: Correct.
1: It could could change daily if they turn on the TV and all of a sudden the sky's falling. Spot on. Right? It's it's just don't pass up these opportunities. And I think we've seen our most opportunities in down markets because the up market always keeps so many people away. And the one with the most pot of gold that they're, you know, dishing out to buy something wins. But in this market, a lot of people have much more of a chance to be included and, and get something. So I always say, you know, just barge right through the door. I, I remember you had, an I think it was Elizabeth Street, or maybe it was yeah. Eldridge. You had a townhouse once. It, well, it was sort of an empty building. I had a few and of those, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know you yet. And I, I came to the open house with my agents from the Chelsea office and you were outside. You had a Glen plaid uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, suit on with a skirt and a jacket. And you, I, I heard, I stood there and I sort of listened to you and, and you really like, you, you were nailing uh-huh. it. You were just, you were so spot on. And I thought, well, who is this Frank Katzen? Look at how fabulous she looks. So that was probably <laughs> years ago. But, um, you know, when you look at people and you know they have it and you you know exactly how to navigate, you're fearless. I, I just, I often say to people, don't let someone else or something, some event change how you're going to do something. Who, who are they to say, sit at your desk and wait for the market to come back? Well, the market is the market. You know, you need to adapt to it
0: hundred percent. And in that spirit, what would your advice today to the younger generation be starting out in real estate?
1: <clears throat> Two things. Listen. Hmm. Listen. And secondly, you, you really need to find a fabulous mentor, whether it be a team leader or a great team or a superstar solo agent. Um, you will learn m- so much more, and you have to put in the time. It's like an apprenticeship. Yes. It's not fast and easy. What you see on television is much different than real life. And and also, you know, you have to be fearless. You, there's a book called, and I don't even know, I haven't read it in years, but it's called How to Work a Room. And, you know, this it, it just doesn't happen. You have to, people like to do business with people that they would like, mainly, mostly. Correct. I think, so, I
0: think people want to like other people
1: by nature. Exactly. By nature. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, listen and look, but find someone that you, that you, um, that's sort of someone you look up to and, and, and get on their team or, or get in their program or make a la carte choices for your needs. But also you have to have a schedule and uh, this is seven days a week even on vacation, there's no way 24 seven. A hundred
0: percent. I think right? people think they just turn a key and make 6% and it couldn't be further from the truth.
1: <laughs> exactly, this is very, very, probably I believe one of the hardest professions right now. You it don't- really is. You, not like you have, oh, these are the five models of the car this year for 2023. <laughs> <know, laughs> yeah. No. It's like, this is- How to reinvent
0: this. the wheel when we have no wheel, but let's go
1: right exactly
0: so with that what would you say is the biggest achievement or win in your career so far because it's just beginning
1: well my win was august 4th 2021 when howard promoted me to ceo that, that was huge. For me a shining moment in my entire career um did
0: you know that was going to happen
1: no i did not really I, no it's funny friend i um I, I, I didn't. I really didn't. And I think um, it wasn't on I didn't, your vision I board. I didn't, I didn't know the CEO was happening. I didn't know the president was happening. And so every one of them, I just, I was in the right place. I felt I would earned the promotion. There you go. Um, and um, it was on my vision board in my head. Uh, I didn't let all the static get in the way. Good for I, you. Uh, and for the first time, you you, you uh, I think I grew a lot. I, I definitely, um, you know, there's a time in your life where, and I don't think you have this, but maybe you do, actually. Everyone has this weakness, I think, the, the fear of people not liking you. Oh, honey, uh,
0: that's been my, my mantra <laughs> for a long time. So I think- <laughs> It is a fear, sure. It's giving up the wish, though, to please yeah. everyone. And that's the hardest one.
1: But you have to do that, and now with my leadership position where I am, um, it you need to make much quicker decisions and be much more direct and, and honest. Not that I wasn't honest, but it creates, it, it create it's a different it's a different personality for me. But I'm loving every second of it, and um, I it think is, we're it's all
0: much more uh, not confrontational. But it's 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 there, you know. And I think you make like to digest and
1: you know, right. You have no. to make the tough decisions.
0: They are tough, I'm sure. Um, You know, uh, progress is made by learning from mistakes and times that you fall short. Describe a time that sticks out in your mind and what you took away from it.
1: Oh. hmm. Heavy one, right? The heavy one. I Uh, love those. Yeah. Well, one of the moments, I mean, this is not a, a uh, Growth thing, that you know, you when you have moments and when you see people in action. So, at Corcoran and at Element, you know, I go on pitches. So I see the best of the best out there, pitching, business. And I, I'll never forget when I went with Robbie Brown to a huge loft. I think it was at the Prairie, um, and uh, on his bike. I, oh. Yes, and he was shovelled, and you know, the pay, the, everything. You know, he had uh, uh, what's it called chain grease on his pants.
0: <laughs> pants stuffed into his socks. The whole thing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So there, there was this lesbian couple with two children, and uh, we were in their loft, and they were major partners at fin- these big financial houses and banks, and and we walk around, and you know, he's doing his Robbie, and then we sit down, and the what the one of the ladies says, "So Robbie, what do you think our apartment's worth?" And he says to her, I haven't a goddamn clue. <laughs> I just sort of said to myself, wow. Okay. <laughs> this is completely off the playbook, yep. you know? And so then it stuck with me that you really have to um, create this uh, persona or this, you have it friend. I know you have it and you know, you have it, which is, it's amazing that. Um, the checks in the mail. Yeah. You know, I think it's something that you, it's hard to, to, to describe and, and, but I was just blown away. Like, wow, he's got it, you know, he's they, disarming
0: they, it and then he'll come right through to it. hmm.
1: Yep. He, it's all about who's in the room, Yep. who, who's in charge of the process and, and the transaction, but, and are they believable? Will people like them? Are they the biggest and the best are they the smartest and i just i don't know i came away i i think of that moment i don't i don't have a goddamn clue and uh it was the best i i think it's because classic. it makes it's classic it makes you walk into the room and and just sort of say okay let me i need to pivot here and <laughs> you know oh this and just know that you you can't walk in and think it's going to be textbook
0: no and that's what was brilliant about him yeah. brilliant I mean that's unbelievable. I love it. They must have disarmed the whole pitch, loved it.
1: Yeah it's like, okay, let's have let's, what do let's you think it's work? worth?
0: <laughs> um, what is your favorite part about your job today?
1: Well, I I get to um, see all of our regions and they're markedly different. They're I always have said that I've said that real estate is very local and it has a very local flavor to it. Yep. And and that being said, I think um, seeing the Douglas Elliman brand in Texas, Colorado, California, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, Florida, and now um, Washington, D.C., we, and uh, I I just, the brand resonates everywhere. And Emily O'Sullivan, may she rest in peace, she gave me a quote once that said that money followed money. And I think our average price at Douglas Elliman now is 1.7 across all markets. Jeez. Yeah, and and the culture and the DNA of all the employees and agents and leadership um, helps get that spread around around the country and around the world with Knight Frank and everything. So I I really love that part of it that I get to experience it and it keeps me sharp, and it and it keeps, you know, it's it's great when we get into the um, cities and that we're we're in, and they see us, and we're very active in their lives. Very know?
0: much so. It's definitely become the go-to brand, no question. What is your business pet peeve?
1: Okay, you want to know it? Oh, yeah, uh, I want to you know. Were, I have a um, a box of stuff from my childhood. And one of those pieces, uh, in the box is a, uh, my third grade teacher, Mrs. Murphy, um, my report card. So I, a few years ago, I got the box out and I'm looking at it and it, the, uh, needs for improvement was, um, Scott seems to be too interested in what's going on with his neighbor. Uh, like the neighboring desk, <laughs> yes. he pays too much appen- to attention to every to the people around him. So that translated into me into when people complain about other people, I always say don't don't keep score. Hmm. So, you know don't 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 keep score of other people's accolades or business, and try to remain focused and take that energy and 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 do something that you th- hope will. Turn into the same thing. I mean, you hear it all the time. Why can't I be like this? What you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like you said, Fran. You know, people like people, and they, they might not like, the same. You know, it's it, it's a choice. It's a very Correct. It's a personal choice when someone lists their home. I, I mean, I, I have a um great not a, any guilt, but I remember when, I fired a friend. Um, that must be hard. A from a listing but they listed with someone else uh the night we were having dinner with them and uh we didn't go to dinner (laughs) i called them and i will never forget it it was uh 505 greenwich we got them early in early it was corcoran listing and i was at corcoran at the time they got a great apartment and then they um dave went to their wedding in brazil uh you know everything and then all of a sudden they an hour before dinner, he goes, oh, they're listing with their friend. And uh, I said, we're not going to dinner. 100%. You
0: know?
1: But, you know, there are those moments where you think, should I have done this? Should I have blown yeah, up?
0: Right. But you it's know? so should personal. I- it's such a personal thing, right? Because that that's actually one of the things I try to distance myself. When I have friends that ask me for help, I always put one of my agents in front. So they never feel like they cannot say what they feel and need because of the friendship. And that compromised my friendships. And I I don't want that. I want them to have the full service without feeling like they have to edit because of that exact experience. You know, know,
1: Sharon's mom had a wonderful, I went on many pictures with Sharon. She always loved having me around. And, you know, Sharon would walk in with a 700 page leather bound book of her business.
0: And the Rolls Royce. yes.
1: Yes. And the Rolls Royce. And I remember... We're sitting there in the living room, and the seller says, You know, Sharon, my friend so and so works at so and so. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I don't, I, she, she wants the listing. And Sharon looks at her and said, Let me put it into perspective. You can fire me, but you can't fire a friend. And I'm ne- I never <laughs> forgot that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that was a, a real uh, eye opener um but you're right it, it becomes personal because you know you do become probably a third of our friends are from our transactions it it happens it's bound to happen it is it's amazing. they become they become your foot soldiers they become your 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 agents of of your, you know your they get you, be- you see. Yeah, your advocates exactly.
0: So if you could live in any of the properties projects you've worked with on over the years Which one would you choose and why? Isn't that politically incorrect? I love it.
1: Mm. Oh, wow. Well, I think, um, I never liked new.
0: (laughs) You're like me, you're like Mm pre-war.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think conversions for me Mm -hmm. are much more exciting. Um, But uh, however, if I had one, one, choice right now i would go with. i would live at the jean nouvel 53 west 53rd it's beautiful there's something about that i think the actual size and the 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 way it was built the the heaviness of the
0: mm-hmm.
1: the weight how the weight exactly and i don't mind those buttresses crossing your window and mm-hmm. blocking i don't think they're blocking your view i think it's a work of art
0: totally totally so
1: for me that's that's what i would choose now i i I think it's absolutely magnificent. And and I like, uh, actually, I love your social media post when uh, for Jardim. I, I just love that building.
0: It's so beautiful. Such yeah. a great project to work on. And Isai was such a, one of the coolest people I've ever met. I don't know anyone who goes to a Radiohead concert at the age of whatever on his own. He was the coolest guy ever.
1: <laughs> Isn't it great?
0: What's your secret sauce?
1: Uh interesting I I said that the other day I answered that the other day um I didn't answer it but I talked about it and um well it's funny we were talking about uh when you're in a leadership position you can never let them know that you know the house is burning down or you you're know, sweating you're sweating like yeah. oh my god I just got out of this meeting and something happened and I think you it's Exhausting. your responsibility yeah, to be um, completely, and I'm not up there with hiding stuff, but I'm just, you know, you have to, you have to be able to compartmentalize everything you're doing. And as a leader, you have to, there's a box of, of leadership tools that it's just one thing. It's like, you know, be empathetic, be there, be present, you know, don't, don't make it as if it's, you're doing a job.
0: That is absolutely key. So key, and it's hard because there's so much coming at you all the time, every day, all day.
1: Well, look at—I mean, something like you—you you probably have 25 listings right now. You've got 25 owner personalities that you have to—you've got to change that hat at any moment when that phone rings, yeah, and you know you, who you're dealing with.
0: You have 7,000 plus. Oh, <laughs> I feel I have light. A <laughs> great that helps. I have a
1: great village that helps.
0: Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's on you. So I take my hat off to you on that. What is your morning routine?
1: Well, I, um, I'm... um, i It's interesting. I, I'll be very honest here. Since the pandemic and I got COVID twice... We I'm, all did. People talk about this. Sorry, what did you say? We all did.
0: Don't worry. We all did.
1: <laughs> I, I have to have more sleep than I used to. Um, and you. I hope this goes away. But uh, I, I used to wake up at 530, but now I need another hour. So I do my fitness on the weekends. So for me, I, I like the morning. I need at least two and a half to three hours in the morning before I get to the office. I could never wake up and get dressed and go to the office. I don't know how people do it. Boy, but...
0: <laughs> I used to be like you and then children change that. Ah. <laughs> Complete opposite. Yeah.
1: I often I I'll text with Darren Zukanic, uh, what we are used to now that Stephanie Rule is no longer in the morning, <clears throat> about certain outfits and haircuts. <laughs> See what Mika is wearing on uh, Mika love Morning it. Show. Love it, love. But it. Uh, I, I have you know I like I, we read page six and you know we have our coffee and get the dog walked and, but yeah it is a routine you know I think but it's um, a
0: good one. Sometimes for you. Mm -hmm.
1: You have to have that. You have Mm -hmm. to have those moments. Life's too short. It
0: really is. Scott, if your career wasn't in real estate, what industry would it be in and why?
1: It would definitely be something in entertainment. I'm not sure what it would be. I don't know if I had the confidence as an actor that I wanted to be, that I could have been an actor. Something, I loved the theater. Um, I could and see I lo- you
0: doing Broadway musical theater oh. so easily. Come on,
1: <laughs> but I could see thank you, belt you it out. Um, I think what's what was, I love the excitement, and I often said that the, we're running a hotel, and I was the assistant manager at the Pierre. We was like running a big theater company, and every day was a new show, and, and I think I love change. I'm an Aries, yeah. um, so I love change, and I think it would be something in entertainment and, um,
0: You'd be great. I, you always
1: support. I think that comes from my mom again, because she was an entertainment, you know, she had a cigarette in one hand and a drink in the other. And she was having my brother play show tunes for her. And she sang. so it was, it was in my life a lot.
0: I love that visual. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I love Everyone that
1: Mama Rose or a stage mother. Oh, you
0: God. Know. I remember a gypsy and that mom was amazing.
1: Right. That was my mom.
0: You're lucky, I think.
1: Oh, definitely. (laughs) Definitely.
0: Um, When you're not working, Scott, what are some things that you do to unwind and stay sane?
1: I muck my horses' stalls. I have uh, dressage horses, which is like horses that dance. And um, I have about five or six of them. And I have a full-time trainer that competes them. and. They are my therapy, so whenever I'm with them, you can't be distracted. So the phone stays in the tack room, I'm completely free of anything but my relationship with them at that moment. So for me, the, the relationship I have with my horses
0: well, that's that beautiful little boy running through the fields milking cows. Yes. It's there, and it's I have a happy one place.
1: who lets me do it.
0: <laughs> You're lucky, that's beautiful. Does he ride?
1: No, but he gives carrots, and he knows how to give a um, give them a nice bubble bath.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to go there. What's okay. your What's your biggest vice, Scott? Let's hear it.
1: My biggest vice would be Victoria's Sponge Cake from Marks and Spencer.
0: Ooh, I haven't you know, had that.
1: You haven't? Oh, you can even it. You can even it keeps unrefrigerated. <laughs>
0: Should it's I be a, concerned?
1: No, you can take it home from, from Heathrow. It's just um, I have a dessert um, vice, which is pretty awful.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: Are you a cake? And, cake. Man, I don't like chocolate, so I. You know, it's not even that. I can't blame it on that. I like um, – <clears throat> I'm cake. a baker, so uh, I love to bake.
0: Okay, so you're a cake person like me. Cake. Mm-hmm. cake. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So I just wanna say thank you. Wow, Um, I feel incredibly privileged to have been a part of this interview today and getting to know you more because you're very busy and yet you made time to do this today. So thank you, it's been amazing.
1: Thank you and I I love that we work together. It's so special. Um, You are a force that, Sometimes you'll say to me, "Am I am I being too, or was I bad, or um, you're doing it all beautifully? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're someone we all look up to, and and you're always, as I say, you you always have a seat at the table, and it's better to have that than to be on the menu, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm gonna marinate on that one for a bit, okay. <laughs> but I, well, I really appreciate
1: it, Thank you so much. Thank Merry you. Christmas.
0: Thank you. Happy holidays to you as well, Scott.